Welcome to the Relief Teachers podcast brought to you by Tradewind Australia. My name's Ian McNally and this podcast is a recording from a live webinar in January 2021 with my colleagues and former principals Billy Green and Terry Toomey. In this webinar we tackled the topic of classroom management. I began the webinar by asking Billy Green to make some distinctions about what classroom management means specifically for a relief teacher. So what we want to do today is address first of all uh, the fact that we're dealing here and talking mainly about work as a CRT. Quite, uh, there are quite different strategies that you would apply in a school if you were working there full time as opposed to working in a CRT. So we've taken the view that you're in there for a day or a couple of days at most. You probably don't know the kids that well. You're probably not overly familiar with the school. And you might think, well, what difference does that make? But it does make a really significant difference, particularly not so much if you're talking about classroom management, although to a degree that is still the case, but it certainly makes a very big difference if you're talking about behaviour management. So we're, we're talking here largely about CRTs, short term. We are mainly also talking about classroom management. I'll, I'll tease that distinction out in, in a moment. And the other things we want to focus on is what you can control. There's a lot of things, particularly around behaviour management, and Terry would probably know this more than I would, but if you've got uh, a child or a student in a class that you come across that has a significant behavioural issue, and you may have a handful of those, that is typically, Terry, a long-term project for the school, isn't it? It's not something that just happens day to day and you know we wipe the slate clean every day. If, if you've got a behaviour management issue with a student, it's usually a long-term program, you would agree? Uh, absolutely, Billy. And um, it's, it's always good to tune into um, maybe, you know, what, what strategies everybody else in the school sort of uses to, to deal with that student or that situation, particularly kids who, uh, you know, are challenging or tricky. That won't be the first time in any class that's happened. They'll, they'll have had a history um, since day one in prep maybe have, have been challenging and there might, you know, be a range of reasons for that. But it, it's... Um, that student will be better for you, uh, I think, if there's sort of some sort of continuity in terms of the approach. What we want to focus on today is just uh, how you manage basic classroom management around whether um, it's a prep class or a year 10 class or whatever, just the sorts of strategies that you need to put in place and the sorts of approaches that you need to take yourself just to manage your everyday classroom uh, that you're just going to turn up to and do one or two days three or four days at the most at a time because it is quite different if you're there for a long period of time if you're there for a contract or if you're there for the year or you're a full-time teacher you'll have some slightly different strategies and that's because the kids get used to you and you'll have some um, you'll have the capacity to put in some longer term strategies but this is what do you do uh, on the night before when you get the call from Tradewind and you're heading off to Strathmore North Secondary College no such place I don't think and you're thinking that you got a uh, humanities day in the sevens and eights or you're going to the you know the primary school and you've got a grade five so we're going to talk about those sorts of things um uh, and then this afternoon perhaps we'll address some of the tougher issues now terry if you're only in a school as a relief teacher for a short amount of time i mean does it really matter how you manage a classroom yeah i think it does because um for a couple of reasons one, you may think it's going to be a, a very short period of time and that may be the intent, but if you have a terrific day um, or, or there's a fairly seamless transition between you and the person you're replacing, 
then I think you get a big tick from that school and that they want you back um, at, at every opportunity. So I think, uh, f- firstly, um, it might only seem like it's going to be a day or two, um, but a good day or two can lead into a week or further uh, down the track. But I think from the school's perspective, it, it really does matter. Um, you know, I know as a principal, if I was having somebody in for one day, then we would try and support that person just to ensure there was, you know, a reasonably seamless transition from normal classroom teacher to CRT. Um, because, uh, like, when you finish your day or two as a CRT, then the normal classroom teacher comes back and we don't want them to have to pick up too many pieces. We, we just want, you know, um, some sort of continuity. Yeah, and I think, Ian, the other thing is, you know, it really is worth going out there uh, to do a good job because you have to uh, embrace the notion that you're a professional um, as a teacher. So it's really important for your own, um, I suppose, just even dignity and sense of self-worth. I mean, I've heard stories, and these are perhaps apocryphal, I don't know, but uh, back in the old days, you'd have these ridiculous stories of, you know, a, a, um, a CRT walking in and pinning $5 on the board or and back in the day, $5 was worth something, $5 on the board and saying, right, at the end of the day, I'm giving that $5 to the best kid in the grade. Well, I mean, if I found a CRT doing that, I would, I'd bring trade wins straight away and say, I never want that person back. I mean, that's, that is a ridiculous uh, approach to classroom management. It's completely unprofessional. And I just don't think that that's um, acceptable. And I think what we do need to do is, as Terry said, it's, these days, uh, replacement teachers are probably more valuable than ever. I think you cited last week, uh, Ian, the number of days that is predicted that a student would spend with a replacement teacher, and it, it, it's up over over their 13-year career. It could be up over a year, I think you mentioned. Yeah, 12 to 18 months. So that's 12 to 18 months of learning. Like, Let's be honest, that's what it is, 12 to 18 months of learning, and we want that learning to be as productive as possible. And to be productive, it needs to be, the classroom needs to be well managed. So it's crucial to the school, it's crucial to the kids, uh, it's crucial to the other people that you're going to work with, and I think it's also crucial to yourself. You're going to have a much better day, and your, um, your role and your reputation as a professional uh, will uh, often be, uh, be judged by how well you manage uh, the class and so I think that it, it's uh, it's important that you do that and cr- frankly it, it starts it, well it actually starts I think not just the night before it, it starts today as you're you know gearing up for your year of CRT you've there's a whole range of things that you can put into place right this very minute that will make your classroom management better. Spot on Billy and I think overall Ian even the more challenging the situation the greater the opportunity there is for learning to take place. And I think CRTs are uniquely placed in relation to this sort of learning. You might be working at, you know, four different schools, you know, in a week. And I think it's it's the skill set that you pick up from that over time and the resilience uh, that you develop, which really stands you in good stead for the, uh, you know, the medium hall. There is a notion as well, isn't it, Billy, that good classroom management, good general classroom management, you minimise the, the small behavior issues and the small kind of management issues that then the big issues don't happen um, you know from a health and safety point of view as well is that true to say my theory on classroom management for crts and we made that distinction right at the very start this is what we're talking about is the closer that you can get your day to the day of a full-time permanent staff member at that school 
the, the closer that it looks like that to the kids, the closer that it is in terms of your behaviour and attitude and approach and what you bring to the school, the better the day will be. So if it, as Terry says, if it looks seamless to everybody and it feels seamless to you, you're going to have about the best day that you can have at that school. If it's not like that, if it's disjointed, um, and, and basically that, that gets down to, you really need to go in as a professional thinking about the things that a professional teacher would do. So it really is about being a good teacher. It's about going in with clear lesson objectives or having those skills up your sleeve that you can quickly look at what's been left for you and think, right, I'm across that objective, I'm going to teach it in this way. That you've got good clarity around what you're supposed to do, that you still give the kids, you don't have to correct every essay that they've written, but you give them feedback on the way that they go. Um, that you've got, you know, you put in place all the things that you would normally do if you were there. So if the school's got some fairly uh, well-planned uh, behaviour management strategies, you employ those. If the school's got some routines and protocols around what they do at different times of the day, that you put those into place. And it's really about understanding that your role is to be a teacher. It's not there to babysit and it's not there to con the kids and it's not there to walk in and, and just play games all day either. It's it's to teach. And if you go in with those that attitude and you uh, go in with the skills up your sleeve that you can look at any sort of... Because we're not talking about, as I said, we're not talking about the really bad behaviour management issues. We're talking about just plain classroom management. And it, it's got to always look and feel like a good classroom run by a good teacher. Yeah, good advice. And look, Billy, I, th I found um, with secondary kids something that's really important it's just a, it's a small thing but one of the big differences between the normal teacher and the crt will be that the normal teacher will know the kids and uh if you can be bothered learning those kids names and getting them right as soon as you possibly can don't ask the kids their names because they won't always give you the right ones but if you can actually get the names from the sheet or or the computer uh put out in in front of you or get the photos on big on the photos learning and, and learning the names it, it's a real skill it's one of the best investments you could ever make it is a game changer if you know the right name for the kids that uh, you're working with and they will see that um, you know they'll ascribe real value to that the fact that you know their name and you use their name yeah. And look, I, I couldn't agree more. As uh, I've mentioned plenty of times, I do some training for another organisation. And we one of the jobs that we do is we go out and we work with the year 10 kids. And these people that I'm training to work with the year 10 kids typically don't have an education background. But I always mention to them the importance of building a relationship and the uh, and how, and they only teach for an hour for this. They're only there for an hour. Um, and I said, well, one of the first things that you do is don't, you, you can't learn 30 names or 25 names in an hour. I get that. And you don't want to waste the time doing it anyway. But as someone gives you an answer, uh, say, right. And, and you're like, Ian, thanks. Fantastic. Great response, Ian. And this one, and you're like, Terry, great. That's great, Terry. You've only got to do that three or four times, get three or four names, you know, and what you do is you're signaling to the kids that I bother to care. I'm here to find out a little bit about you and we're here to share and work the, on this together. So learning names or just picking up on any sorts of little ways that you can, uh, and one of the things we talk about is catching them doing something good. So, you know, building that sort of, um, try to find ways to, to build relationships that seem uh, genuine to the kids. And it's basically sending out the message that I actually care about what I'm doing here today, that that's really important. Now, if you went to five schools, five different schools over five days, and they were secondary schools, there's a good chance you might come up against, I don't know, four or 500 kids. 
Clearly, you can't remember four or 500 names in a week. But if you go in and you look as though you're interested in what they're doing, you are interested in the work that they're doing, you learn a few names and you just work out different ways that you can build a relationship, uh, that makes a huge difference uh, to being, and it also makes a huge difference because quite often the first names you'll learn is, is the, the uh, boy or girl who's a little bit naughty. So as they start to do something, you've got that you're, you've got their name up your sleeve, and you can say, "Ian, I'm not so sure about that." And uh, suddenly Ian's like, "Oh God, he's on to me!" Right? So it's yeah, building those relationships is what a normal teacher would do over a period of time. You haven't got much time as a CRT, but that doesn't mean you get past that up. You actually probably have to work harder at it. So that's uh, that's that's another thing that you need to do. And again, that's just an attitudinal approach that you take with you. Yvette has just asked a question here, which I think is relevant as well. Um, just about when we're talking about schools, you know, looking at a school's behavior management plan, for example, how do you find those things if it's a rush in the morning? Often those behavior management things are up in the classroom, on the wall, or they're in the CRT pack. But it, this session is really equipping people, not necessarily to, you know, you can certainly read or avail yourself of a behavior management plan specific to a school and please do that when you're in a school but this session is all about that general expectations that you can have without even needing to read the behavior management policy isn't it it's it's about the expectations that you're setting for yourself is that right yeah definitely yeah and just billy i think articulating those at the, at the beginning of the class and modeling those I think is absolutely critical. Like secondary teaching, like primary, it's all about building relationships and trust. And one of the scary things is we, you know, we, we know that kids don't learn anything from teachers they don't like, which is uh, a bit of a worry. It doesn't mean that you've got to be their friend, not at all, but they need to actually like you as a teacher and uh, then they're going to be easier to engage and they will certainly tune in much more to what you're doing. Most CRT, CRT packs will have the behaviour management plan. Uh, if not, as Ian said, they will be displayed somewhere on the wall. But again, that gets back to your preparation. I would absolutely go in with a checklist, not necessarily a written one, but in my head, uh, about things that I want to uh, tick off before I even left the office and went to the classroom. So one of those things would be around, um, you know, what have you got a behavior management plan you would like me to Im implement now i'll give you an example so sometimes at a um a, well, a special school i'm thinking of they had quite a, uh, a an intricate sort of reward sort of system probably too difficult to implement on your first days of crt so what they did is say we we have this reward system we don't need you to do the whole lot but if you do find a child doing something or other we'd like to you to give him this card or this sticker and the, the system worked around the more cards and stickers they were able to exchange and then they get some reward so that was just one part of it and that was the only part that they wanted you to implement but if you didn't ask that question at the start or if you tried to read the whole thing It'd be too complicated. So, but you have to ask those questions. When you arrive, there's a lot of questions. It's around um, behavior manage management. It's around the classroom, um, about the, uh, the curriculum for the day, your timetable. It's around um, student welfare issues and student health issues. And those things really need to be, you have to get into the pattern of asking those. And don't worry that it might make you feel as though you don't know. It's actually the opposite. People will really appreciate the fact that you've got these really professional questions to come. Uh, and you're not standing there just chatting. You've got them almost ready to go, four or five questions ready to go. Right, I understand that. 
if they say, oh, we don't really have a behavior management plan, you, you can say quite openly, that's fine. I'll use the one that we're advised from Tradewind, that is the three warning one. And that's written there in a Tradewind and you can write about that. It's, it's actually written down on a, um, a Tradewind um, uh, sheet that we have in terms of when you leave notes at the end of the, the day. So you've got, to ha you've got to be proactive in that situation. If you don't know, you've got to ask. Yeah, and look, I think the time for professional reading about, you know, school-wide positive behaviour and a range of other things is not when you get there in the morning. I think in the morning you just need that, uh, ideally, you know, two pages of dot points, which sadly we don't get often enough. But I think um, if you do notice that, uh, you know, that uh, the school works restoratively with students or, you know, it, it is signed up to the school-wide positive behaviour program, I think... It's great to be asking the assistant principal or the daily organiser, well, I've noticed that, and um, what do you expect of CRTs in the classroom in terms of consistency with this approach? And I think if you can get a couple of dot points in your head on that and then articulate those to the students so they will feel more secure if they think that you're operating um, under the same sort of guise as everybody else and not really um, individually or at odds with that approach. And it's also true that sometimes you'll go along to a school and certainly I've had this experience where I've gone to teach at a school who have a particular behaviour management plan which I didn't agree with or I didn't like. What should I do as a relief teacher if if that's the case? Uh, you have to adopt what's there. You don't have a choice and uh, it's, it's a little bit like in going into a... Uh, a place that has some religious or cultural sorts of um, issue or not issues, but you know protocols, if you like, um, maybe dress standards, and you think, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't agree with that, and I don't want to do that, but that's not your choice, okay? I mean, you've agreed to work there for that day. Uh, if they're the standards, that, I mean, no school will have uh, stands to the point that they are that disruptive or that um, that they will go against child safe regulations or anything like that. So. You just have to adopt what's there. You might be able to adopt it um, light, if you like, uh, but you certainly can't change it. You certainly can't contest it. And if you have um, ethical issues around it or you just simply can't work in that environment, then at the end of the day, you contact Tradewind and you say, look, I, that sort of school's not for me. I can't operate in that environment. But you, uh, it's not your prerogative to go in there and change it. Yeah, look, I think that, you know, the main learning that might come out of that, Billy, is as, as you've suggested, you may not be a great fit for that school. And that's just something to put in the back pocket for later on and communicate that back to Tradewind. But I would really advise people uh, against, you know, implementing a plan that's very much at variance uh, with the one in place uh, at the school. Now, one of the issues um, that relief teachers face day to day is, you know, so much about teaching is about control, about, you know, controlling your environment, the, the way you lay the classroom out, where the students sit, who they sit in groups, who they don't do and don't sit next to, where everything is in the classroom, how they line up, how they come into the classroom, all of those protocols. And all of them are out of the window sometimes when you turn up as a relief teacher. And you get that late call in the morning and then you rush in and you're presented with a group of students. What things can you do to control those things that are out of your control or add some sense of certainty to that? Yeah, look, one of the challenges you have is getting there and it may not be your fault. So let's go into two. Let's let's divide this into two. If you get there late, 
you've got a big challenge. So we'll deal with that in a sec. But if you've got the option to be there early, it is absolutely crucial that you are there early and you set yourself up, particularly in a primary environment, and Terry can speak more authoritatively about the secondary environment, but you set yourself up so that you've got enough to get yourself underway initially and that you are then at about 10 to 9, you are ready then to engage with the kids, right? Now, a lot of primary schools uh, let the kids in at about 10 to 9. Sometimes they don't. They might not get in until 9. Again, check with the school, check with the person next door, uh, take your cues from what's going on around you. But it's really important that that 10 minutes will be the student engagement time. And it'll also be the time where you establish the tone for the day. If the kids come in and they're riotous and running around the room because you're sitting at the desk at the front pouring over the CRT pack, then you've created the problem. Now, I know a lot of people think, oh, I didn't. Well, you have, okay? Because you've got to take control from the very start that you meet the very first kid. And it may even be the very first parent that comes in with them as well. You have to have something up your sleeve that you know that you can get from 9 till 9.30 um, and, and get the kids underway, which will give you time to catch your breath and plan a little bit further. But if you're uh, fiddling around or you're not in the room or you're at the desk with your head down and the kids come in and they're out of control, then it's going to be very difficult to get it back. If you create the vacuum and someone fills it, it's very hard to get them out of that, that, that hole. So you take the control from the very start you meet them at the door if other teachers don't let them in don't let them in uh, anyone that's really riotous you ask them to go back outside and come back in when they've calmed down um, so you take all the cues from that and it's really important that you do that and if you and you know if people are failing on you know at certain times have a look back and see what's happened how did the day start did the kids come in without any control at all or were you controlling it from the start? And that's really important. I'll talk about if we get there late in a minute, but Terry, do you want to pick up on that? Yeah, look, um, Billy, I think at a secondary school, often we'll have a briefing at the beginning of the day. And certainly where I was principal, we'd introduce uh, anybody that was new uh, as a CRT uh, on that day. So it was absolutely critical that you're there at that briefing so people can sort of lay eyes on you. And uh, I think um, you feel like, you know, you're not on your own a bit more empowered in terms of, you know, going to the class. But just pick up on Billy's point, certainly in a secondary school, um, you'll go out to the classroom, the kids will be waiting outside. Now, the thing you've got, you've got the key, hopefully. So even before you go into that room, um, just what you do in, in terms of the kids entering um, can really set in play, you know, what's going to happen over the next 48 or, or 50 minutes. Are you going to, if they're very unsettled and unruly, too, too noisy, are you going to let them in or are you going to wait and you're going to say to them, well, look, you know, uh, when you settle down and, and ready to go in, uh, I'll open the door and off we go. Um, I, I just think that very first interaction that you have with them is absolutely critical because if you let them into the room and they're already all over the shop, then you've got to fight to get it back. But if you can... Um, you know, let them in. If you've got one or two um, who are, you know, being challenging, then just uh, don't let them in initially. And uh, when the others come in, just have a quiet word to them. Don't make a big deal of it, but just let them know that um, you know what's going on. And uh, perhaps you'll sit them quite close to you where you can uh, keep an eye on them. But I think that it's all about how you start. I think I'd just like to quickly share a strategy I found really useful because when I started teaching and doing relief teaching, I thought my role was to address the whole class at once. They were queuing up outside to get in, that it was my job to kind of shout and address everybody like a town crier. 
I realize that the smartest thing to do is even if they're being a little bit disruptive is to start small. It's just to talk to the, the group of three or four children at the front and kind of work your way along the line. Just ask them what lesson they just had or what's their favorite subject or whatever, just small talk. And by the time you get, you know, work the way down the line, you've got everybody's attention and you can just talk to them because you've made that effort in, in that small relationship. Uh, I found that a really useful strategy to start small and don't think, oh, there's 30 students here. I need to address all of them in one go. Billy, you'd like to talk about that lateness issue. Yeah, so again, if you get there late, and that, that is a problem, and it can happen, we certainly acknowledge that, and the class is a little bit, uh, again, uh, perhaps a little less under control, although, you know, they're, they're not going to be out of control to the point that uh, they're doing cartwheels because it'd be a st very strange school that knew a CRT was going to turn up at 10 past nine and they didn't have someone in the room at least, you know, like the, the assistant principal or the principal w wasn't in the room. That would be in a primary school. Well, I, I, I can't imagine that that would happen. So, you know, if, um, so there's a good chance that they're going to be not being taught but being looked after, even if it's the person next door might be trying to run the two classes and just keep them quiet till you arrive. The trick is, and Ian, I know you've spoken about this before and it's, it's really important, you've got to have some strategies up your sleeve that you can quickly uh, get the kids underway with a really minimal amount of work, but something that's productive and to get them started, which will give you time to catch your breath, get a few things looked at at the desk, uh, have a look about what you're going to go on to do next, uh, and perhaps even, you know, start to mark the role, whatever that is. So they are, you, you need some strategies and we could give you a few here, but you're best to think of some of your own based on your own experiences. What are you going to do for that first 15 or 20 minutes just to get them through till 9.30? Not that you can go and then sit at the desk for 20 minutes, you won't have that luxury, but you can just observe, see what they're like, have a quick flick around uh, what's on the desk, have a look around the room if there's nothing left, because there's a good chance when you get called in late that the person hasn't left any work. Um, so you might have a quick look around, think, all right, I've got, this is going to be a bit of a challenge. I can see they've been doing that. I'm going to pull them together now and we're going to do this activity and I'm going to teach it. So for example, it might be a recount or it might be, I'd probably not start with maths. That's a bit tricky in the primary school. I'd start with something, uh, in the English sort of area. Uh, you may have a story up your sleeve, ready to go. You may have something that you can see that they've been working on. And then I would actually then start to teach. So that, you know, the, you set up the old fashioned uh, teacher directed Q, Q and A, I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to model it on the board. I'm going to get you to do it. I want you to go off for the next five minutes, come back, give them feedback and get it rolling. So you're the one that's filling the vacuum. Whatever you do, don't just say, oh, look, I, I've just walked in. I don't know. Can you go on with what you were doing yesterday? I mean, that's asking for trouble. Yeah, look, I, I think that's, um, that, that's critical, that, that, that beginning. And I think initially when the kids come in, it's it's fine to be able to say to them, look, um, who you are, the fact that you're working there, you might have worked there a number of times. Um, if it's the first time you're there or you've never taken them before, without oversharing, you can explain something briefly about yourself, give a little bit of background, say who you're replacing for the day and what you're going to do. Then I agree with Billy. Um, you outline what your expectations are, don't, don't make it too long uh, and then just get on with it. One of the big issues is 
anticipating what can go wrong, Billy. There's so many moments in a classroom where things can be going really well and you say the wrong thing or give the wrong instruction and then that causes a lot of problems. An example I'd give is uh, if you're teaching a prep class, you might have them on the carpet, introduce the day, read a story, and then you say, and now go to your desks. And that could be a spark, which all, all of a sudden you think, oh, I haven't said anything wrong there. But how do we risk assess and, and mitigate against those issues that to minimize those points where things can go off the rails quite quickly? Look, to be honest, if we've got some people who are watching here today who are graduates, you will unfortunately learn those things by experience. Uh, and because, well, I'll give you one example that I, and I wasn't a graduate, I'd, I'd been doing it for four or five years. Uh, and this is, uh, it didn't go so wrong for the kids, but it went pretty well wrong for me. I've got lots of these stories in my career. But um, this one, uh, we just, I had a group of kids, uh, non-English speaking uh, background kids, and we decided that we would do a large painted mural on a topic, I forget what it was, and it was a language uh, development thing. And they did an absolutely fantastic job at it. We, we, uh, and this mural was probably, oh, I don't know how long it was, four or five metres long, I guess, and, you know, as tall as a prep kid, I guess. Um, anyway, we decided that we'd done such a good job that we would return it to the classroom and show the the other teachers and the other students and just say it was on the zoo or something. I can't remember what it was on. So I just said, right, let's let's get this and take it back. And I stupidly let them um, walk with it. And we went around the breezeway. <laughs> it blew out of their hands and wrapped itself entirely around me. So the finger painting of the zoo or whatever it was, was then all on my T-shirt. Right, which of course you know the kids loved and thought that was very funny, and uh, and, I, uh, and I guess from that point, the fact that I've even remembered it, which is that it would be a good um, thirty odd years ago, um, more, yeah, is that you learn by your mistakes. So I hadn't thought about this could go terribly wrong, um, and this only went wrong with a minor out, uh, outcome. But you've got to think about what if I give these kids a direction and I don't know these kids what could possibly go wrong that that's what you got to do so sending prep kids back to their table all at once you can almost guarantee with preps that someone's going to fall over or push someone or trip over or it's it you know so you just think all right well the best way to send them back is to um say right i like i like the way terry's sitting up terry can you choose two friends and we're going back to our tables now and terry goes back not only does terry feel good about that not have i built the relationship his friends feel good but terry then models how you go back to the table and say right i love the way terry and his friends walk back ian can you use two friends and you do that so what you've got to do what i didn't do on that day is to think about what's the worst possible outcome that could happen here if i get this wrong and then work back from that and don't give it a chance to go wrong. So you never say to the kids, right, we've got to get the bus for swimming. Right, off to the bus. I mean, everyone under 12 runs to a bus. You know, it's a bizarre thing, but they do. And it's just a disaster. So you, you've got to think about all of those things. Um, yeah, what, what, what could possibly go wrong? And think it probably will. So therefore, I'll work back from that and I'll prevent it. Yeah, Terry, in the secondary context, I mean, Billy's just reminded me how exhausting it is teaching prep. But uh, 
in this in the secondary context what are the kind of pinch points in secondary is it handing out of worksheets or is it collecting books what are the kind of flashpoints that could happen and go off the rails in a secondary context yeah look it can be anything because you're dealing with young adults you know kids from sort of like 12 to, to 18 years of age who've um you know, got an opinion on everything, who are probably all over social media, who are much better at tech sometimes than the teachers. So um, I think there are, uh, that was a fantastic example Billy gave. And, and that's why one of the reasons I really encourage reflection uh, from CRTs within reason. I mean, I think it's great to reflect, but then, you know, you draw the line uh, you've got to draw a line in the sand and sort of move on and take take your learning with you. But again, Ian, um, you know, I've had everything that can go wrong for a teacher. Obviously, over the you know time I worked in secondary education, that would have gone wrong for me. But I think you just get better and better at it. Um, you know, with primary kids, uh, the example, you know, about movement, you know, is a great one. With secondary kids, um, they'll be critting your instructions all the time. Like, whatever you say... It's a bit like um, uh, running a briefing for the uh, for the new president in the states. You know, everybody is sort of very interested in every word. So every word that you say can it can go really well in terms of the next activity, or it can be turned around and sort of you know used against you. I think what what you what happens over time is we become more confident. So, and I think that's something that I learned, you know, even going into school leadership, into the principal class, when I knew least about what I was doing, I tried to look like I knew most because I think it was all about, you know, body language. Body language is just so important with kids. Yeah, they can, um, you know, when, when you don't know what you're doing, they will know before you. Um, they can smell that, you know, re- really, really quickly. So I think you um, certainly be authentic and honest. But I think you, um, you're the adult, so exude confidence, be confident in your ability, and as Billy always says, start teaching. The other thing, Ian, is I think you've got to be realistic. I mean, as we said right at the very start of the day, this was about CRTs in a classroom for one day or so. So don't bite off more than you can chew. Now, you may be a, an absolute, um, you, know, you know, might be as committed to collaborative learning as uh, Terry is to the Collingwood Football Club, and um, and you might think that you know collaborative learning is the bee's knees and the whole thing, but let's be honest, collaborative learning is not something that the kids um, become very good at because you tell them to do it, and particularly they're not very good at it the very first time. So be wary of activities like group work activities when you've got no idea if that's how the uh, activities have been set up in the past with their uh, with their current teacher. So going in and say, right, I all want you to work as a group, for some kids who've not done that and they don't understand the various roles, it just becomes a talk fest. And it's very difficult to get them back onto task and it's very and they can get completely out of control. Um, other little things like, you know, allowing them to sit under tables uh, to do their reading or go into the special room out the back. You're just, again, asking for uh, trouble and a disaster. Now, the normal classroom teacher who has had ages to set up those structures and has established a, a trust and a relationship and a, and a pattern, if you like, routines, they may be able to do that fine. But you don't know those that has been set up and you can't assume that the kids are going to be good at it. So, again, if something goes wrong in those situations... You've caused it. You have to take that on board. You know, it's no use yelling at the kids and telling them 
uh, get out from under that table and don't be so silly. I'm not going to let you do that next time. You shouldn't have let them do it the first time. You don't know that those structures are going to work and what you are is you're just setting yourself up for failure and you're setting yourself up for conflict with the kids. So don't do things like, for example, if you take them out for a game and for phys ed, if you can't control them within a certain space and you can't see them all, don't do it. I mean, you can't have them out on the oval where they run wild like my little dog here and you can't get him to come back. If you've done that, it's your problem. It's not the kid's problem. You caused the problem. And me as the principal, I'd be like, well, you know, what What do you think you're doing with the kids outside? Don't do those things. And similarly, in the secondary setting, I think about letting kids out of the classroom. That's an absolute classic. You know, kids will try you out. You've been in the class 30 seconds and they'll say, oh, our teacher normally lets us go to the library if we want to go there and work. And you potentially, you know, you can see, well, these could be tricky kids anyway. So it might be really handy if uh, I lost four of them to the library. Uh, no, don't, don't, don't do that. It might be okay the second or third time you've taken... Uh, those kids because that would enable you to check with the library that they're happy to have them and is that the sort of normal protocol that's used but bear in mind you know uh, you have got absolute responsibility for those kids for uh, 50 minutes. Yeah I think that's a crucial point you make there Terry Uh, you took the words out of my mouth I was going to say that that common line that all relief teachers has heard are our, our teacher normally allows us to do X, Y, Z. I would have heard that multiple times in a day, some of the shifts that I did. And it's important, isn't it? As Billy, you said, you know, to assert yourself, you're the teacher, you are the teacher for that day, for that period, for that lesson. It's really important that you believe in yourself, you you trust in yourself, and uh, you don't have to do exactly what they were used to anyway it has to be within your comfort zone doesn't it that you think well if it doesn't feel quite right that the children are back in that room at the back that that I can't see then it's then it can't be right so you have to say I know you normally do this but for today we're going to be doing this I'm I'm the teacher I'm the authority and that gets down to even things in a primary setting for example about you know lunch orders to the canteen or something and you might say, right, I've, um, uh, Louie and Lil, you can take the lunch order. Oh, no, it's uh, uh, Terry and Ian. Excuse me? And no, 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 no. And you just say, no, look, it's okay. I'm going to let Louie and Lil do it today. They've been working really well. And do you know what? The sky won't fall. It'll be okay. You'll still get your lunches. You watch at 12 o'clock, your lunch will turn up. I'm in control here. It, the world will not end because one of your... Uh, things have changed you know obviously you can't change as I said major policies and protocols but it's not that you've got to say to the kids it'll be okay I will take control of this you know and because you'll always get the pedant who says uh, Mr Green doesn't read stories at 10 to 11 (laughs) 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 no he may not but I'm going to (laughs) and you will be fine you've just got to have that uh, I'm in control this will be fine I'm looking after your best interests. Um, you don't have to go crook at them. You can turn it into you know, a mild sort of joke, if you like. And we'll, we'll come to some of those other things in a minute. But yeah, I think, look, I, I'm a, a massive um, fan of the notion that if you uh, leave a void, someone will fill it. So you've got to keep thinking, all right, I'm in control here. How am I going to structure this? Some things don't need a lot of control. The routines will be really good. And you might go into some of those classes where the kids are really well drilled and think, wow, that was good. They, they, they sort of know that. You know, might say, we're going to art and they'll 
automatically line up the door in pairs. That's great. But don't assume that they will because they may not. And uh, that's when you get all sorts of troubles. He pushed me, she pushed me. That's my, oh, you broke this. And then you've got a problem. I've got to say, Billy, that is a very brave prediction to say the world won't end after the year we've just had. But, um, <laughs> um, Terry? Yeah, look, um, I think it's that, uh, um, that mix of being with secondary kids, the mix of being selectively blind and deaf sometimes. Um, I think that's something you get really, you know, better at with, with experience. And also working out, you know, what's the standard you're prepared to walk past um, because you know the standard. Sorry, the standard you accept is the one that you're prepared to walk past. So um, there's nothing wrong with saying no to kids, even though uh, these days it's a word they've never heard. Um, but there's nothing wrong as a teacher to to saying no. And I think also just think about like as a teacher, everything we do is important, and sometimes everything we don't do is even more important. And I think it's just it's operating within that really sort of you know. Uh, tricky space from my experience all kids really do want to feel safe and secure in the classroom and kids really genuinely do want to learn and even those kids who exhibit challenging behavior um, they actually want to be well managed and learn when you when you talk to them outside of the classroom if you ask them to crit uh, classes with teachers you know they're very hard on teachers who who don't manage the class well even though it's their behavior that largely contributes to it that, that's true. There's a lot of research years ago uh, by a guy called Peter Hill who used to work at the University of Melbourne. I'm sure he's not still there. And he'd be older than Terry and I by a long stretch. But uh, his research proved that. You know, yeah. the kids wanted people to control the class and to teach them, <laughs> even if the kids were the problem. They want. And, I, and I, I just think, you know, quite often in CRT work, but I think even in, um, well, less so when you're there because you do eventually build the relationships with all of them. But we can go in with too much of a focus on the naughty kid or the... But you've got to remember, in a class of 26, probably 22 of them at least are, are, are very keen to be there and to learn. I'll tell you something I used to... I learned very early in my career. Now, I've, um, there's no research around this, Ian. This is just one of my little observations, weird as it is. I always used to imagine... <laughs> neurotic I was, but I always used to imagine... Uh, that all of the parents were looking in the window while I was teaching. And I could almost, I wasn't hearing voices, don't worry, but I was almost thinking, they'd be sitting there thinking, hang on, you've got my daughter in there as well. Don't spend all your time with that naughty boy. I want you to spend some time with my daughter. And I used to think, yep, yeah, that's fair enough. I, you know, we all know we get, we're time poor in teaching and we all know that there's a certain one or two or three kids that drag your attention all the time and, and chew up all of your time. But when you think about it, every kid in there is entitled to the same amount of attention, care and teaching, right? And I'm not going to spend all of my time uh, running around all day looking after three naughty boys. So they'll either have to get online and get on board or they're not going to be part of it. I'm going to be in there to teach the rest of them as well. Because if it was my daughter in there or my son in there, I don't want to see the teacher just, you know, allotting 90% of their time and effort into three kids. Sometimes we do just get sucked into that environment. And I think that's a really useful strategy to think, oh, what if what if someone was just to take a photograph now of the class? Am I standing in the right place? Can I see all the children? Uh, what would they think about what I'm doing right now? I think applying those critical things and reflective things to yourself is a really important part of your whole classroom management approach because you you have got to think it is a public facing job it is an accountable job 
if we apply those parameters to ourselves, then we're much better placed, aren't we, to to progress and, and actually make make the classroom a really good place to be. Uh, Terry? Yeah, look, I think also people are, uh, know much more about what happens in the class, I think, as a CRT than you, you, you might imagine. Um, kids, if kids have a positive or nev- negative experience, they share it with other kids and also with their next teacher uh, c- continually. Also, everybody who walks past your class, um, and they're doing that to be supportive, um, you know, keeping an eye on you, tapping on the window, saying hi, like whatever. But they also get a sense of how you're operating and is it consistent with uh, what's going on in the rest of the school or is it very much at odds with that? Are you sitting down? at the desk not doing a great deal or are you really actively working with the kids and supporting them, which is the best possible way to manage them, I think, in a secondary environment and primary, no doubt, as well. We've gone through a lot of strategies and and a lot of scenarios here. I think it would be easy if you were viewing this webinar that uh, this would be anxiety-provoking in many respects because there's so much to think about. But I think it's important to make the point that you have to be in a good mood before you go in the classroom this it's not a matter of kind of whack-a-mole where you're trying to you know hit everything out of the um the the scenario that you're in but it's about being relaxed about being comfortable confident and also about picking your battles some things that you'll see in the classroom that you think is it worth making an issue about this now that's where the professional judgment comes in isn't it billy oh absolutely and i think the, again we get back to that preparation and, and as i said you can start to prepare now the last teaching experience i had ian and terry believe it or not was a year 10 group of kids um uh at a vcal i won't say where and these kids were had come uh from all over a regional town and they were all the kids that none of the, that none of the schools wanted so this was their last chance right i didn't know this till i turned up sort of thing but it didn't really matter because i went in thinking well i've got this lesson this curriculum i want to deliver and i'm going to go in there and i'm going to have a real crack at it anyway now the kids were naturally enough a bit reticent uh but that's okay I just kept the enthusiasm up and ploughing through. And as you say, there were times when I thought, you know, you, you might have pulled up this particular behaviour. But I thought, no, I really want to keep the momentum of this going. Uh, I don't want to stop that. And I'll, 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 this brings me to another point. I'll wait in a minute. I don't want to stop this, what we're doing here. And eventually the kids did get on board. And these were hard kids. This was like last chance school. This was from here or uh, they were out. And... It worked fine, and I'm sure it worked fine because my attitude was positive and uh, enthusiastic. Because I wanted to do present this lesson the way that I, you know, it, it's part of the training thing I do. I wanted to present this lesson. That was my objective, and I could have got hung up on all the he didn't answer, he joked to his friend, but I didn't do that because I thought, well, these kids are, you know, they're difficult. It's not going to really work. This discipline's not going to work with them. And in the end, they were fine. They were all on board and they really enjoyed the session. And we had a, you know, a really genuinely good hour and a half together. So it taught me a lot, even at my age, that sometimes if I had gone in there, that real negative, oh, these kids are, oh God, they're from all over the place. They're they're the kids, they're the last chance kids. This is going to be a disaster. Uh, You know, I'll just be really uh, defensive here and I won't say, that would, I'm sure that would have failed. It took a while, but by the end of the hour and a half, they were all on board and they really enjoyed it. So 
I um I think that's you know I, I think that's a really important part in CRT work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at a secondary school, the kids will pick up on your attitude straight away. They'll understand even better than you are how you're travelling. You know what you've brought into the table, the body language, the power language, everything. Uh, they'll sit there, secondary kids, and they will read it. So if you are going in there concerned about the sort of experience that you're going to have then probably going to play out that way. So, you know, there's a bit of performing, there's a bit of acting, but I think you've got to back yourself in. And I think from my experience, the skills eventually will kick in. You've also, Billy, I think you've got, you've got to make judgments about, um, you know, is this the mountain I want to die on? Um, when do you deal with you know, those things that are happening? How you deal with those things? We're here. It's about the war, not necessarily about every battle. And by, by and large, you're going to do better with kids if they're on side and the more kids are on side if you can use the peer pressure you know to go your way um you know the the, the better it will go and, and i think at times as i mentioned earlier we need to be selectively blind and deaf it doesn't mean we don't deal with those issues but some kids we deal with them better um if we keep them talk to them at the end of the lesson uh or, or aside you know not 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 all you, you never win with secondary kids you will never win an argument with the class ever. One of the the key points, and I, I want to mention this guy. I know we're going to run out of time, but about some of the things to avoid, Ian. And the top of the list that I've got on my avoid thing is stopping the whole class to do with one student. It, it, you're just causing a problem there by doing that. Uh, you, if you've finally got the, all the kids underway and working, the very last thing you want to do is to stop them. And as Terry said, if you go, uh, if you if you're running public trials, you're going to lose. Right? There's no doubt about it. You will lose. The rest of the kids will not appreciate that. Even if the kids are bully, they will not appreciate you singling someone out and having a shouting match or being sarcastic. It's it's got nothing, you know. So if the child is difficult or the student is difficult, deal with them one on one as much as you can. Allow and encourage the others to continue with what what they're what they're working on. But yeah, the um, you know the absolute shouting match or, or or stopping every single person just to do with one or or even a small group of kids. Uh, for their behaviour, that that's a very poor tactic and it won't work in your favour at all. Certainly my approach was always if you're delivering something and a student was misbehaving, that you don't draw attention to that, but you think, I need to build a relationship there. <laughs> and you don't build a relationship in the middle of what you're doing. You you finish what you're doing and then you can have that quiet word. And it's a really good opportunity to build the relationship. Oh, see what you were doing there. How can I help you? What can I do to, to help? All of those positive kind of things. Very quickly, we are racing to the end. The time flew by in this webinar. Thank you everybody who has attended. We have a few questions to uh, tidy up. We've got a question here. I've been to a school that I was given some challenging children from another class. Uh, I mean, that is, it, it's some, some schools you go into as a relief teacher and they make the day easier for you. Um, they clear the schedule or they move things around so that you have an easier time of it. And other schools, they do the opposite. I mean, if that happens to you, there's not a huge amount you can do about it. Uh, take the opportunity, enjoy the student's company. Uh, it's not a particularly uh, nice thing to do, but it's not beyond you as a teacher to still build those relationships and take that as an opportunity. Uh, Peter's just asked as well about what do you think of the idea that a normal teacher should leave the 
CRT with work that they can teach instead of leaving work that asks students to carry on from the previous class or on an assessment task? Never do carry on, okay, work. It, it's what you've got to do, you've got to develop the skill to look at what's been left and if it is carry on work and you, well, say you've got no instructions whatsoever, then you, as Ian said, you can look around the room or you can pull the kids' work out or you eventually get them underway with something and ask, you'll quickly work out which ones are trustworthy and ask them what's they're, what they're doing. And then you reframe that into a lesson that you can teach, all right? So even if I walked into, if Terry was um, cruel enough to leave me a, a year 10 uh, class with a, uh, a history text, um, digital or not, with five questions at the end and, and said, I just tell them to go on with that. I would not do that. I would not tell them to go on with that. What I would do is I would look at the text myself. I would read it with them. I wouldn't ask someone to read because they, I'm, they may not be able to read. I'll read it with them. We'll talk about what it's about. I would then say, let's have a look at the first question. You've been asked to complete these. I'm going to do the first question for you. I'm going to model that on the board for you. Right, we've all done that. I want you guys to have a go at question two. So in other words, you must take over as the teacher. Okay, you, if you say to the kids, and I try this as an experiment at Tradewind once, and someone, some of the people here listening, they came in the room and I said, right, the, the work's there in front of the, uh, go on with that now, please. And someone said, I said, no, go on with the work, please. Someone said, is this the PD? And I said, this is the PD. Your work's on the table. You've been told to go on with it. Would you go on with it now? Well, you can imagine how that went. It was a disaster. So the going on with work, don't do it. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is that you have to reframe the the going on with work. Is that as you, and But also this is a great opportunity, what we said earlier, is to... Uh, whatever the topic is, it doesn't matter whether you know about it or not or whether you care about it or not, but you just say, oh, you, you're doing uh, this on the Battle of Hastings. I'm really interested in the Battle of Hastings. Tell me what you know about it and reframe it, even if they it is down on the list as carrying on. Have that five, ten minute start where you get to know the students, you get you show them that you're a teacher, you show them that you're interested, you've reframed it, and then you can do at the end a conclusion as well where you get back together, talk about what they've done. Because if you just say do carry on work, they're not gonna do very much anyway, and what a waste of time. Nobody wins in that situation. Yeah, that, that's a great example, and I think I love that reframe because it's a bit like a pretest, and then um, what you'll find is that not all kids will have the same, anything like the same understanding of whatever it is they've been working on. And then the work you do do with those students for the rest of the time, you know, you, you're going to be very clear on who will need the additional support and which kids just might need a bit of extension or or whatever. And I think that is absolutely invaluable. Yeah, well, we are right at the end of this webinar. It's been, it's flown by, lots of content covered. And thank you very much for attending today. Love a bit of the old classroom management. <laughs> well, uh, thanks so much for attending because we have so many uh, lovely comments in the chat um, just about how useful it is and, and practical the things that we've spoken about. And uh, Yvette also said about uh, they need to add this stuff in the teaching degree. Uh, they, they definitely <laughs> don't talk about they didn't talk about it when I was uh, doing teaching degree um, this is why this webinar exists so that we can tell you what really happens and how to really deal with it thanks gents thanks everyone thank you thank you so much for listening to the relief teachers podcast brought to you by Tradewind Australia 
please do share this podcast with anybody who you think might find it useful and do refer to the show notes to record it as part of your professional development hours if you need any help or support as a relief teacher please get in touch with us at tradewind through our website or call us on 1-800-192-195 thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time for another episode of australia's leading relief teaching podcast